compete with you from 9 to 11 a.m. every Saturday morning. Michael Clark. Adam Munster Tiger. And uh, Adam Munster Tiger on his uh, final journey with us as a co-host. He'll return as uh, as <laughs> the uh, guest interview for Rockin' Company's Rockin' See You. More weekends than, uh, than not here. And that's our next segment. Because it's not just Super Bowl week. But it is also our show prior to recruiting signing day in college football. It is a heck of a show to go out on, uh, on Adam, as we were listening to uh, Big Head Todd. Uh, bittersweet, bittersweet for both of us. Uh, it's been great working with you. It's been great. Uh, signing day is a little bittersweet for me, too. It's, you know, you've been covering these recruits for even longer than a year sometimes because now with recruiting, they start getting recruited as, as sophomores at times. and it, It's kind of crazy when they – finally sign that letter of intent and then the head coach can actually talk about him instead of me running my mouth all the time about <laughs> yeah. him. and having to be careful not to <laughs> blow it all with the ncaa and uh with that we will begin rockin companies rock and see you brought to you by rockin company colorado specialty stone construction rock products company proud see you alums and supporters with real rock for the yard rockin company rock and co dot comment uh adam um uh CU fans, long-suffering, let's face it, program once proud, lofty, among the very best programs in the history of college football still, uh, historically speaking. Uh, look at recruiting and look to see a big difference. We've got Rick George, athletic director. We've got a new coach going into his third year uh, where the pressure will ramp up. What's different or what's the good news about this year's recruiting class? Well, there, there's two ways to look at it, the glass half full or the glass half empty. Now, the glass half empty crowd is going to look at the star ratings of this class and be disappointed because they're most likely, if you look at the team rankings, going to rank out about 10th or 11th in the Pac-12 in terms of stars this uh, this recruiting cycle. The glass half full people are going to say they, they're finding guys, the right fit type of guys for Mike McIntyre, who has, has, has shown that he has a good track record of finding under the radar type of guys which they kind of needed a coach that could do that, given the certain the, the situation that this program was in when he took over. Another point on, on the more optimistic end is that the vast majority of these guys that are going to sign with them this coming Wednesday were evaluated by CU's coaching staff in person at camp last June. They really didn't take a day off in the month of June. Usually before, I'll use uh, John Embry's staff as an example, they would host about three camps in Boulder, and that would be about it. And, you know, unfortunately, being in Colorado, it's tough to get top kids to come to your campus because it's just, you know, ge geographically, there's not a ton of talent in this area when you look at the state surrounding Colorado. Well, what Mike McIntyre and his staff did is they did ran these satellite camps in California, Texas, Hawaii, and they were able to find a lot of recruits at these camps just by putting in that extra effort. And it's one of those things when you don't have the blue chippers knocking down your door. You have to get creative. You have to work harder than everybody else. And if you ask me my honest opinion, this is the type of recruiting class that can help Colorado get to a bowl game. This is not the type of recruiting class that's going to help them compete for a Pac-12 championship. Understood. But the, the kind of effort you're talking about is the kind of thing that I think makes Colorado fans and general observers here in Colorado root for Mike McIntyre. Hope this guy can make it. Hope he, hope he can take the, uh, the meager uh, beginnings, uh, the program he inherited, which was down in the dumps, and really kind of turn things around, and perhaps next season uh, we will see a, uh, a challenge to, uh, to go to a bowl, if not quite making it next season, maybe they will. Um, looking position by position, impact players, who rates at the top of this class? 
The top rated is Tim Lanat, in-state offensive lineman from Regis Jesuit. We actually had him on the show as a guest, Michael, while you were out of town. Was a more than held his own in the Semper Fi All-American Bowl. And uh, he uh, it started out at, listed as an offensive tackle uh, prospect, which is not true. He's about 6'3". He's, he, so uh, he, he was kind of downgraded in that sense until people kind of realized this is, a, this is a guard prospect for the next level, an interior guy. And uh, he's a mauler. You watch his, his junior film, and you, you kind of gasp, and you go, gosh, I hope the guy that he just barreled over is okay on this film. <laughs> um, and then I went to go see him a couple times this fall, and other teams were scared to put defenders, line them up across from him. There were times when Tim Lanott had trouble finding somebody to block on, on, <laughs> in many circumstances, which is the ultimate compliment for, for a player when they're, <laughs> they, they shy away from you. NJ Follow, a linebacker out of Sacramento, is pretty highly regarded. He is um, kind of that hybrid between a defensive end and, and an outside linebacker. He was actually verbally committed to Colorado more than a year ago, was the first verbal commitment from this class. Colorado recruited his older brother. Uh, the, the staff, uh, Mike McIntyre, Clayton Adams, recruited his older brother to San Jose State when they were still there. And uh, his older brother had a knee injury his senior year, and most other schools backed off. Mike McIntyre stood by him. So they kind of built up this goodwill with the Follow family. So NJ's coming out to Boulder, and his younger brother, Josh Follows, uh, only a sophomore right now. They've already offered him, and he's, he's already 6'4", 200. He's going to pro- project as a beast by the time he's an upperclassman. So uh, that's something to look forward to. The guy that maybe is the best at what he does in this class is their punter commitment, Alex ah. Kinney, out of Rocky Mountain High School mm-hmm. in Fort Collins. Funny story there. He's kind of like Mark Knutson. He grew up <laughs> cheering for Nebraska and CSU, and now he finds a Not that Mark ever ended up going to CU, but uh, they kind of had that history. Anyways, Alex warmed up to the idea of being a buff when he camped in Boulder. So there's some guys, and they have a chance to kind of go out with a bang here at the end of the recruiting cycle. Three, two of the three guys that are on campus right now up in Boulder are top 15 ranked prospects nationally at their position. J.J. Wilson, we've talked about him briefly on the show, a four-star safety prospect that might even grow into a linebacker. He's already about 6'3", 215, and uh, – He's got a blue shirt offer from USC, which means they want him to walk on with the promise of a scholarship later, which just boggles my mind that a program can offer a four-star recruit <laughs> a situation as a preferred walk-on and think that they're going to get him. But that's you know USC. A lot of these kids grow up in that area dreaming of playing for them. He also visited Arizona State, so that's another school. Interesting that he's a four-star prospect, but you don't have him as the best gets. Uh, um, as the best get. Uh, well, he's not verbally committed yet, oh, you know, okay. so he's uncommitted at this point. If he if he did commit uh-huh. this weekend or you know oh, leading okay. up to signing day, he would be the headline in recruit oh, okay. this class. All right. Yeah, and Patrick Carr, a, a running back out of Texas, is uh, ranked as the 14th best all-purpose back in, in this recruiting class, and he uh, is the all-time leading rusher in, in the Woodlands High School history, a, a pretty good high school program. And he's visiting. It looked like he was all set to go to Arkansas, but then. Uh, their their top running back they thought was going to go pro ended up coming back so now they don't have, most likely don't have a spot for him at Arkansas so Patrick Carr uh, you know uh, could end up falling into Colorado's lap here late in the recruiting process they've already got a couple running backs verbally committed but they didn't take a running back last year so Colorado would gladly take Patrick Carr and uh, you look at their roster Philip Lindsay this spring is going to be the only underclassman scholarship running back and at that position guys get banged up so yeah taking three guys at that position wouldn't uh, wouldn't be that bad of a deal they did since the last time we talked get a commitment from Aaron Baltazar a running back uh, that played at Boise State coming out of high school transfer briefly to Washington State things didn't work out there he's been at a junior college close to home and so he's going to come out 
to, to Boulder uh, in the summer and be part of that running back group. He'll have uh, three years of eligibility remaining. He looked really good at Boise State as a true freshman playing until he tore his ACL. Um, so they're, they're kind of restocking the shelf there at running back after not signing one last year. But uh, aside from that, I don't expect a lot of signing day drama. I mentioned Jeremy Kelly, a top 100 recruit in California last week. I still expect him to sign with Colorado. He is not talking publicly about it, but uh, uh, I, I think he'll end up being uh, being a buff here before all is said and done. So I think they could they could finish with uh, two or three quality guys joining the commitment list. You know, uh, this is the kind of information that, that is the reason I and everybody else reads BuffStampede.com, the incredible website. Great job you've done with this. I mean, no one touches you on recruiting. Plus, you cover all the other aspects of uh, the football and basketball programs. See you. Sports Stampede. Sports Stampede with Michael Clark and Adam Munster-Tiger, publisher of BuffStampede.com. And welcome back, everybody, for the last hour of Sports Stampede. I'm Michael Clark. I'm Adam Munster-Tiger. And the last hour of Adam Munster-Tiger as co-host of Sports Stampede, as uh, he will devote family, golf, playing hoops <laughs> on Saturdays, take some time for himself, but still participate uh, most every week as our uh, Guest interview uh, with his incredible expertise on our Rock and CU, Rock and Company's Rock and CU segment. Uh, we'll, we'll expect to have Adam on going into the future, and he'll be replaced by Mark Knudsen. We announced it last hour, former Major League Baseball pitcher, most notably with the uh, Milwaukee Brewers, but the first native uh, homegrown baseball player from here in Colorado to put on a Colorado Rockies uniform as well, and a huge college sports fan. And uh, so, uh, our emphasis to not be all Broncos all the time like the rest of talk radio can seem uh, will continue here as we uh, talk about that, but also pay plenty of attention to the college game. And as the uh, winter warms and the ice melts, baseball again, like last year, will become a major theme on this show. Meantime, this hour, Mike Farrell, National Recruiting Director for Rivals.com, will be our next guest. And uh, as we cue the music and... Um, uh, as an appropriate introduction here, um, it's the music from The Godfather. It's the music from The Godfather because we have on the show joining us the godfather of recruiting, Mike Farrell, as you mentioned, the national recruiting director for Rivals.com. Mike, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Do you have a, a decent Don Corleone impression? No, not, <laughs> not even close. I'm not even going to try that. Okay, it'd be great to hear somebody doing Don Corleone talking about linebacker prospects. <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. Well, we're getting close to signing day this coming Wednesday, and uh, Mike, we wanted to kind of touch on some national topics. I was looking at the current top 10 team recruiting rankings on Rivals.com yesterday, and as is usually the case in college football recruiting, the rich get richer. Alabama, number one, USC, number two, Florida State, four, Georgia, six, Ohio State, seven. But uh, Clemson in at number three, uh, Tennessee at number five right now. Are those the two programs exceeding expectations the most on the recruiting trail, or are there any other colleges that, that have kind of surprised you with the caliber of recruits they've pulled in? I think uh, those are the two that stand out. I mean, you know, Clemson, the big knock against them is that they continue to recruit top ten recruiting classes, and, and they haven't really done anything with it, um, haven't taken that next step. And then Tennessee, you know, Butch Jones is in 
his second year. So he's building a program that I think is going to compete in the SEC East. Um, he's getting a lot of talent from not only in-state but, but around the southeast and elsewhere. So I fully expect you know Tennessee to take that next step, compete for uh, an SEC East title. Uh, I'm not sure about Clemson. You know, that's that's a big question, whether they can take that next step. And then I think Penn State at 13 is a little bit of a surprise uh, just because of all the things they've gone through over the last couple of years. Uh, James Franklin has done a really good job, you know, recruiting kids to that program and, and sort of, you know, taking up where Bill O'Brien left off. Unlike a lot of years, it doesn't feel like there's this one consensus top overall prospect for 2015, but uh, defensive end Byron Coert uh, from Florida, he's set to decide between the Gators and Auburn. He's got that honor of calling himself number one uh, on Rivals.com. How close was it in terms of the race for that number one spot? Who else was right there, and, and what got Coert uh, the the honor of being number one? Well, you know, it did come down to, um, as it often does, the all-star games, you know, the best against the best in pads for a week, and, and you know, um, Byron just did a great job. I mean, he came in at number three. He had lost the number one spot and determined to get it back. Josh Rosen uh, about out of the Under Armour game uh, with an injury. He's number two, the quarterback going to UCLA. So it would have been an interesting battle between those two, I think. And there were about eight guys this year, I think, that could have made a case for number one. Um, and I think that's going to be the way it works moving forward. Um, you know, in the past, with Vince Young and Adrian Peterson and, and you know, even, even the Jimmy Clausens of the world, uh, Terrell Pryors, Jadavian Clownies, it was pretty easy. You know, it was, it was that guy, and, and, you know, he didn't get knocked off his perch that easily. But nowadays there's so much talent. These kids are so much bigger, stronger, athletic. I think uh, you're seeing very rare prospects at cornerback this year, quarterback, offensive tackle, safety, uh, you know, defensive tackle, and, of course, defensive end with Byron. The second rated, uh, the second highest ranked uncommitted prospect at this point nationally is Long Beach Poly cornerback Iman Marshall, visiting Oregon this weekend. He previously went out to Florida State, LSU, Michigan, and Notre Dame. But Mike, I was looking at uh, the, the the predictions uh, you guys had. Uh, all eight Rivals.com recruiting analysts think he's actually going to end up with a program he didn't take an official visit to. Yeah, everybody thinks USC for him. They have for the longest time, and it's just one of those things where. You know, USC is obviously a big-time program. You know, they've recruited him as hard as anybody else. It's close to home. You know, he has a very uh, tight relationship with his family. Um, and it would take something really special, I think, to pull him away from there. Now, the programs you've mentioned, some of them, um, obviously, you know, Florida State's got to be tempting. Uh, you know, they, they stole Jalen Ramsey away from USC last year. So, you know, that, that's an interesting prospect there. Uh, Michigan with Jim Harbaugh. Uh, Oregon, you know, always in national title uh, contention. But, you know, the, the feeling is that just like with, you know, a few other guys that are local L.A. kids that visited other schools and, and sort of, you know, there was a little bit of drama going around, um, I just think it's going to be one of those things where he's tempted, but he's going to stick home. Which programs have the most to win or lose from now until the end of signing day? Well, I think Texas has a lot to, to win or lose. Um, you know, they're in the hunt for, for uh, quite a few guys, which is rare for them. Usually they're done uh, very early in the process. But Charlie Strong has, you know, changed the attitude in recruiting. Um, you know, and I think that's been a good thing. They're number eight right now in the country. Uh, Dale and Mack is a guy they really, they really want to get. Uh, DeMarcus Lodge is another guy that's a big-name guy. So-so Jamabo. 
the running back from Texas they want to get. If they finish with, with the guys that, that are left on the board in Texas, um, you know, Texas fans are going to be very happy. They got two four-star D-backs uh, to commit yesterday, plus the younger brother of one of those defensive backs, um, Chris Boyd, his younger brother, uh, decided to commit. So, you know, in Texas, it's really, you know, the big three guys, they finish, and I think they're great. Auburn, Auburn has a lot to gain. Florida has a lot to lose. If Florida doesn't include, you know, close on, on C.C. Jefferson, Byron Coward, um, you know, Ryan Davis, some of those big-name guys, Martez Ivy, if they whiff uh, on signing day, people are going to go crazy. Jim McElwain uh, leaving Colorado State for Florida could have a rude awakening like uh, Muschamp, huh? Yeah, you know, Muschamp's year, transition year, was okay. Urban Meyer's transition year was okay. Um, this one has been so far disastrous. Um, they haven't really, you know, pushed up the rankings as you would expect them to. Florida right now uh, is, I don't even know what they're ranked. I can't even find it. 101st. Now, you know, they've got 10 commitments, so that obviously hurts them. We rank the top 10 uh, kids in each class. But there's not a four-star committed to Florida right now, and that has never happened in all the years I've been doing this. So, you know, I think to get Martez Ivy as the top offensive tackle in the country, I'm not sure about CeCe Jefferson, a defensive end, Coward, a defensive end. I think they get Ryan Davis also. If they get Ivy and Davis and whiff on those other two, I'll be very interested to see how our Florida board reacts to that because – a lot of people are expecting a big finish. Alabama, again, uh, as I mentioned, number one in, in the team recruiting rankings. Nick Saban doesn't strike me, at least uh, from afar on TV, as, as this guy that would be a dynamic recruiter. How does he keep pulling in all this talent uh, to that program? Well, he won a national title at LSU. Uh, then he went off to the NFL, so he had NFL experience to sell. And he, and he started recruiting at a very high level You know, immediately. Their 2008 class was awesome. Um, and then they you know, won those those little things called national championships. It's always <laughs> winning on the field that is the bottom line. You yeah. can have the best facilities in the world, and you can have, uh, you know, all the pretty girls you want, and, and, and it's just not going to, you know, it's not going to be winning. Um, you know, there are some programs out there that haven't been winning lately, like Florida, like Michigan, that will get high-level prospects because they're, traditional powers you know and they've, they've won recently or at least in the past um you know but the bottom line is the reason alabama's number one is because they've won national championships the reason florida state's in the top five is because they've won national championships and usc you know listen the kiffin years weren't great uh but they got hammered with uh with a lot of scholarship reductions um you know, kids still want to play there. Pete Carroll's legacy lives on, and uh, I think the, the, the talent they're building, they're another program to watch on signing day. They could get uh, four or five-star kids, you know, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday if, if all goes well. What you just said there kind of strikes here. Uh, to, to Colorado, we're kind of on the opposite end. Uh, the mountains are great. Uh, they're building new facilities, but they don't have that winning tradition. And it's in a program that's in the situation that Colorado is, how do you overcome kind of that, that perception of – where your program's at losing football games, is it just outworking other recruiting staffs? It's getting lucky, you know, finding that guy, uh, you know, or two guys that are huge difference makers, um, you know, that, that you can build your, your defense and, and offense around, mainly your offense, I think, um, in the Pac-12. Um, you know, it's much harder than it has been for Colorado years ago. Uh, they're in a, obviously, they're in a, a very good conference, uh, but, Man, I mean, they really don't have a home recruiting base. You know, they got a few good kids in state. Um, 
you know, but not the depth that you need. Uh, their border states aren't loaded with talent, so they got to rely on Texas and California and, you know, try to pull kids out. And nowadays, you know, you can't hide anybody, you know, with the Internet and all the coverage of recruiting. Um, you know, a kid can't go under the radar a bit, and you can't steal them away that much. So what you have to do is you have to get those three-star kids to play like five-stars and just hope or catch lightning in a bottle, you know, and hope that, that Steven Montez is the next great, you know, Andrew Luck quarterback, um, and he leads your team. Because then once you start getting that, then you can build around, you know, that particular player. West Virginia did it very, very well with many guys, Virginia Tech as well. Um, you know, they have a little bit stronger areas to recruit in, uh, but you can do it. I mean, Oregon doesn't have a good recruiting base. And, and, you know, they recruit very well because they're winning. DeAndre Francois, the, the top dual-threat quarterback in the country, tweeted out on uh, Thursday afternoon that he was going to decommit from Florida State. Then it comes out that uh, his account was hacked and he's still with the Seminoles. Uh, we've seen a, a recruit hold a press conference and announce he's going to a school that he didn't even have an offer from. We've seen uh, uh, a recruit pull out a, a live baby gator to announce that he's going to Florida. What, what's the craziest commitment story or just recruiting story in general th- that you can tell? Oh, that, that's a that's a good one. We did the you know we did a bunch of these. Um, you know, I think uh, Floyd Raven's mother forged his signature. Um, you know, on a on a letter of intent. Um, but you know, I had a kid in New Jersey who flipped a coin. Honestly, and, you know, I don't know if it was two headed or not, but it was so it was so insulting to the program yeah. who had spent years recruiting this kid and he's flipping a coin and. Um, you know, Cyrus Quandro sort of freezing up on national television, choosing Auburn when everybody knew, knew he wanted to go to Alabama, and, and maybe he said the wrong school. I mean, there's been a lot of <laughs> wow. crazy, crazy stuff that's gone on. You know, DeAndre Francois, listen, I don't think that was hacked. I'm pretty sure. I got good sources. That okay. That he's very confused. You know, he put University of Florida State in there. I think he's more embarrassed about that than, than anything else. And I think some people just said, hey, listen, if you're going to do that, don't do it on Twitter. And Twitter is, I don't know, it's got out of control a little bit. Um, you know, we all follow kids to get information, and, and, you know, most of them are making their decisions on Twitter nowadays. But yeah, it's, uh, it's a new world, Mike. Uh, we've got one minute left. I want to get in a question I ask every year about recruiting. We saw Ohio State show up with big-time speed, uh, investing a, a speed program in Oregon. Is there any reason to think the rest of the Big Ten is catching up on speed at all, or is it just Ohio State? And we've got about 30 seconds. Just Ohio State. They're recruiting the Southeast very well, and that's where the speed comes from. I think Michigan will under Harbaugh. Um, I think he's got a good plan for that. He's going into California, Texas, and Florida, and he's going to get some speedy guys. But Urban Meyer knows what he's doing. He started recruiting the Southeast immediately when he got to Ohio State, and that's why they won the national championship. Great stuff, Mike. Thanks uh, for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Okay, no problem. And that's why they call him the Godfather. <laughs> he knows this stuff backwards and forwards. And uh, interesting, you know, my question had been, and it could be just a blip, but if Jim McElwain and his folksy sense of humor would play in a sophisticated football conference outside the Mountain West as a head coach at Florida, and uh, interesting to... Um, if you'd like to make a call... Interesting to see that um, absolutely... Um, Florida struggling out of the gate. That doesn't mean that they will struggle next year, but McElwain could be off to a tough start. Those transition classes are always tough, though, because it, recruiting is a lot about relationships, and so you've got to constantly be working ahead. I think 
the true judge judgment on Jim McElwain as a recruiter at Florida will take place more next year than this year. I agree. I agree with that, and we certainly wish uh, Jim McElwain well. But it's scary when you fail at a program like Florida. They are all over you. Will Muschamp was the hottest uh, coordinator in the country when he arrived at Florida, and he left. Uh, <laughs> he left in disgrace. All right, people who will make you look good when you're re- when you're out recruiting, whether it's a, a new job, a new client. Or a new, uh, a, a new uh, paramour to go with you on Valentine's Day coming up is Kaufman's Tall and Big Men's Shop, 3395 South Broadway. Tall guys, like Adam Munster Tiger, are very welcome down there for the uh, tall, athletically built, hard-to-fit big man uh, down there. And uh, I tell you, I go for the quality, for the uh, terrific uh, fashion advice. Get down there before February 8th for the semi-annual sale where things are reduced 60% and more. 